Welcome to Femboldened, a podcast where inspiration meets aligned action, where science meets spirit, and where you've landed to enliven the bold within you. I'm your host, Angelica Pascone, multidimensional healer and empowerment coach, specializing in helping heart-centered high achievers like you to shatter their personal and professional self-built glass ceilings. Get ready to awaken to your truest potential as we dive deep into the emboldened stories, wisdom, and medicine of our fellow impact-driven visionaries to energize you into living your bold. The only question is, are you ready? Let's get started. Them bolden. Hello, Femboldeners, and welcome to another awesome episode. Today, I am sitting down with the beautiful, the profoundly strategic, and the cutest mama ever, Anna McRae. <laughs> I am so excited to see where this conversation leads us because there's we're always open to flow. How are you today, Anna? I'm so glad you're here. I'm doing fantastic, and I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Angelica. Oh, thanks for being here. I just got chills. So something magic is going to happen. I can just feel it. I always like to go a little bit deeper than how are you? What's a lie for you today? What's on your heart? What's going on? Mm, today we are in the middle of a heat wave. I'm on the East coast of Canada. So our heat waves aren't actually that hot, but we're not used to them. So honestly, for me, this week has just been has just been about soaking up the last few moments of summer with my kiddos. I've got um, a boy and a girl that are seven and four. And so it's that really fun age where we can just go on little adventures. So I've been really balancing my work life with making sure that we make all of those memories. And it's just been fantastic. Despite the heat, we've been staying in the water a lot of the time. And it's been great. Yeah. We've been having heat waves over here too. And it's not like, you know, Midwest Nevada heat wave, but we have the humidity Mm -hmm. and that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. I I don't know if, if you can resonate with this, but when I remember being a kid and even, you know, up until, uh, up until I had Ezzy, let's be honest, I loved heat. I loved humidity. I would purposely, this sounds horrid. I would put myself in the car to read a book when I was a kid, because I would just love the heat so much. But ever since I've had Ezzy, I don't have the tolerance for it anymore. Mm. I don't know if you had, if you experienced mm. Yeah, that there's just a whole nother level of things you can't tolerate after you have children. <laughs> I feel like as much as it is rewarding, it's definitely also traumatizing in some ways. And I was super pregnant in the summer for my first and it was just the worst. So the second one was strategically timed to not be pregnant in the summer. (laughs) So now is your youngest going to kindergarten or is it preschool this year? She goes to forest school here. She turned five or turns five in February. So she doesn't start until next year, but we send her out in the woods for the time being. We have a forest school here as well, actually right in town. And I think I am curious to do that with Ezzy, but I'm a little, little concerned still with the pandemic, but Mm. oh my goodness. So what do those little adventures look like? Um, 
Honestly, just anything to do outside. I, I mean, you can probably tell because I send my kid to forest school, but we just love being outdoors. We just returned from a 10 day trip off grid in our schoolie that we had converted. And that was up in the mountains with no cell reception, kind of no internet. So anything to do with hiking, with kayaking, with just being outside, swimming, biking, that's pretty much how we spend our time. And if we're not doing that, then I read piles of books with the kids on the couch, piles, like we have to go to the library weekly and we bring back 50 books every time we max out the limit and the library has to turn us away. So usually we're either snuggled up reading or we're out on an adventure. No, that sounds like so much fun. I remember going to the library every summer and the library books smell different. Yes. They've got a certain smell to them. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. So I'm curious, and we've we've touched base on this, me and you, outside of this podcast. What has had to shift your, and we're both, forgive me if this is not a word you prefer, type A personalities. (laughs) And we like strategy and plan and note-taking. What has had to shift for you? While being, you had talked about balancing summer with your children while also have a thriving business, what sort of things, yeah, had to shift in order for that balance to occur? What are you learning by balancing? What did you learn by not balancing? All of that stuff. Mm, Yes. Well, I could talk for days on this topic because, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think type A personality is just a commonly known term and a very accurate one at that. Um, I was originally, I'm going to go way back. I was originally born in the Ukraine and my parents and I immigrated to Canada when I was two. So I was raised here on the East coast, but came from a background that is very much kind of values the perfectionism, the accomplishment, the achievement. Um, It's a really interesting story actually I won't dig into it too much, but when my parents moved here with me, A, they were 26 and they had a two-year-old and were moving across the globe um, for a job that my dad had picked up in software engineering with, you know, that classic story of like nothing but a thousand dollars in their pocket and they were moving across the globe. So when they got here, it was very much like proving yourself, moving your way up the ladder, trying to secure a job for my mom, trying to raise us. I have a younger brother. And because I believe because they were raised by parents who had grown up in hard times, right? Like when the USSR was falling apart, all of that, like very much driven by a scarcity mindset, which has allowed them to achieve great things and to provide a really comfortable life for us, but also kind of trickled down and created this like hyper achieving type A, follow the rules, get nothing wrong monster or side to me that I've really had to overcome to be able to live this life I live now where I no longer feel the guilt of not working 40 hours a week. I no longer feel the guilt of, you know, taking off on a Monday morning to go to the beach with my kiddos when I quote unquote should be working on something quote unquote more important. I think 
I love my parents so much and they're amazing, but it's really interesting to see how your values can be so different and where I really value being an involved parent and being present with my kids. But I still have that side of me that loves to be challenged, that loves to achieve, that loves to create those kind of external successes. It's been really interesting and by interesting, I mean freaking hard to navigate both sides of that um, personality. And as I developed into my own human to start to shift some of those things that were ingrained in me to allow me to live the kind of life that I actually wanted, because there was not really any role models of that as I was growing up. My family was very by the book, go to school, get good grades, get a good job, stay there until you retire. And that's basically kind of the extent of your life. And something just never really sat well with me when I did that. I, I did follow all of the rules. I got straight A pluses in high school, like not even straight A's, straight A pluses. I remember, I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but I would come home with like a 98% on a test and my dad would ask, well, where's the other 2%, right? And like from a good place. But there was always this need to do more, to do better, to be perfect. Carried with me through university. I graduated university at the top of my class in three years instead of four with a 4.2 GPA. But that's where things really started to shift because I had my son in my in the very beginning of my second year. So I was raising an infant through university. And that was kind of the first bold decision that I had to make around creating a life that I wanted and not something somebody else wanted for me or told me I should do. I remember reading the stats on like 2% of pregnant teens end up getting a college degree. And everyone around me had said, well, you should take a year off. You should be with the kid. You should move in with your mom. And there was one person that said, well, you know, you can actually do this. Like you're fully capable if you want to, to finish your degree and raise your baby at the same time. And it's just been such a theme over the course of my life to see how much like having that one person in your corner matters and what an impact it makes. And from there, and we can dig into it a little bit more, but from there, I've been able to just continue making those decisions that were kind of against, um, what I was expected to do. I have full-blown chills listening to that story. There's so much I didn't know about you that you shared with me, and I'm so, so deeply honored. Thank you. You know, we've had a lot of first-generation. I mean, I know you're Canadian, but I'm first-generation Americans, right, um, on this podcast. And there's that, there's that theme of overachieving to survive. Mm. Right. And, and I think it's also, I'm not first generation. I've, I don't know, fourth, fifth generation here, but that theme's passed down because you come from nothing and you have mm -hmm. to, you have to work hard to survive. So I'm, I'm so honored you shared that with me and, and all of that resonates completely with me as well. Right. It was even my dad used to have a rating scale for grades. A was almost there. Like you needed that A plus mm. B better luck next time. C meant see you later, later. D meant don't come home. F he's like, doesn't even exist in your alphabet. He would say, and I mean, it came from a good place, but as children that becomes our truth, 
right? Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever is exposed, it's put into our brains. I think up to was age seven, five, six, seven, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so, so I resonate with that. I, I would love to know, and this is something I'm exploring myself. Um, and my, my, I started getting teary eyed when, when you shared it, I'm actually going in two different directions. I've got so much to ask you. Um, I know with me, it's, it's been challenging to have my son and be the best mother I can be, because that's really what we want is to be the best we can be to do better than what was passed down to us, but also want to live our own lives and have our own impact outside of being mom. Is that something that you've, you've experienced as well? Mm, That's such a powerful question. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And that's been one of the biggest shifts has been giving myself permission to have my life outside of being a mom. And yes, like we all have that drive to be great parents and obviously survival thing so that our kids don't end up abandoned, right? Great to have that programmed (laughs) in your brain. (laughs) But I found for me, especially like having a baby at 19 was added that extra layer of you got to prove that you're not going to mess this up. You got to prove that his life is just as good as anyone else's. You've got to prove that you're actually competent and capable of doing this. So I overachieved as a parent as well. Like I reflect back on when he was a kiddo and our cow and by kiddo, I mean, he's still a kiddo. He's only seven, but when he was six months, our calendar was jam packed on Friday, we would, or on Saturday, we would go to the library in the morning and then we would go swimming. And then when we go, we would go to the playground and then we would come home and watch a movie. And it was just like, I love to plan. I still plan my days out, but to have such a packed schedule to try to like optimize the experience for him and to prove myself as a parent when he was six months old and he just wanted to snuggle with his mom all day took a lot of rewiring for me to realize that like more wasn't better and that I was already good enough. And that was kind of a theme that grew through my business as well. Like this just constant reminder that you don't have to push harder and do more. You're already doing what you want to be doing. You're already kind of in that place that you're trying to work yourself toward and you're missing the fact that you're already there. But back to your original question, um, I remember not having hobbies. Like I would beg for an hour of alone time um, when my kid, my son was younger and then I would get that hour and I would not know what to do with it because I just, I didn't have hobbies. I was always kind of doing something for someone else. And it wasn't until I had my daughter three years later that um, I got to stay home with her for nine months. And then my son was three and a half at that point. So like a really fun age, whereas I didn't really get any mat leave with him because I went right back to school. But I stayed home with her and I found like the self-help world and the self-help section of the library and the bookstore and really dug into personal growth and started realizing like, oh, I don't have to like wake up when the baby wakes up and start my day then. I can actually start an hour beforehand and like have time to myself. And it was just this magical realization that from there, like I've just been continuing to build on. But I think that 
initial guilt of putting yourself first as a mom is really hard to overcome. And we're almost taught to put the kids first. And I think it does a detriment to how we're able to show up as parents when we neglect that part of ourselves. Yeah. It's something I, I'm still struggling to learn. Now I give myself, you know, we talk about planning. I give myself a checklist when Ezzy's down, I'm so tempted to do something business-wise because I've got all the things I need to do. But grown up Angelica says, okay, did you eat yet? How's your water intake? What have you had for protein today? You know, what would you like to do right now? So, and it is, it's, it's tremendously challenging. And I used to be the person to, to tell my clients, you know, you have to fill up your own cup first, but now all I can think about is, well, you know, it's, it's him and the business, him and the business, him and the, and it is, it's very challenging. Mm -hmm. I had another question. And I, I lost it. Let me see. We were talking about, it'll come back. It'll come back again. Okay. How about we go this way? <laughs> She's got so many questions. What's, you know, you, you speak so much of living a life on your own terms. And this is something that we always harp on on this podcast as well. What brought you to that realization I mean, I know it's probably just not one thing. It was this, it may have been a collection of, of realizations or experiences, but what led you to that? And what led you to starting your own business? Mm, yeah, I feel like it's always a collection of experiences. After I had graduated from university, I got this fancy job at a consulting firm and spent a couple of years like really learning um, continuous improvement, which was hilarious with my personality of like constantly wanting to optimize and improve everything. It was just such a good fit. And I worked with some of the best leaders in the country that had moved for this job and had like decades of experience, grew really quickly alongside them and spent my entire kind of corporate life working with entrepreneurs. And I just kept seeing over and over again, so many people that quote unquote had it all and were so unhappy. These entrepreneurs with huge businesses that like never get to see their wives or are still freaking out about their finances or wanted to travel and can't because they can't leave the business. And it was really interesting to witness because I couldn't understand how it had gotten so bad, right? And now reflecting upon it, like you can see how it's these small decisions that you make day after day that kind of lead you to your end path. But standing there like fresh out of university, looking at these quote unquote successful people that I wanted to become and seeing how unhappy they really were in life just really kind of started some some thoughts or spark, sparked some thoughts within me. And then I, when I had my daughter and I had changed jobs, I still had the same career, but for a different company that was way more corporate, a large company rather than kind of the small, small firm that had more of an entrepreneurship vibe. Um, it started to hit me that I wasn't happy, like in small ways, I would 
my kids were always the first dropped off at daycare and the last ones picked up because I had to work those hours. And I would sit there and I would just wait for the clock to strike five. And usually not right away, like within for the first three months, I always liked my job because it was new and it was exciting. There was so much to learn. And then by the end of it, I was usually quite dissatisfied just sitting in the same cubicle, looking at the same people who were also unhappy in their jobs. And I think at that point, it's hard to realize there's a different reality because you're so surrounded by people that just accept it as a way of life. And I know that was something for my parents as well. Like fulfillment wasn't even a question, right? Financial abundance was the bar that you were working to hit and then fulfillment. Well, that would be nice if you kind of happened to stumble across it, but there was no intentionality behind finding a job or creating a life that fulfilled you. So from the get-go, it was this understanding that like, oh, everyone at the top of their businesses is unhappy. Everyone working in these corporate jobs is unhappy. Work is just meant to be miserable. Like that's just the definition of work. Um, At least that's how I saw it. And then having my kids, I just like day after day, the feeling grew more intense that like someone else is raising them and I'm sitting here waiting for the clock to strike five. Someone else is making memories with them and I'm sitting here because I wanted the extra $10,000 a year that this job gave me, right? Like whatever it is, this next promotion costs me X number of hours of time with my kids because the responsibilities go up and the hours go up and expectations go up. And I started looking at it from that perspective only after I had my kiddos, because I think like, that's what suddenly flipped the switch for me was, oh, there's actually more to life than the name on your, you know, the title on your business card and how much money you make. There's actually all of these beautiful little moments with your kids and they're growing up really fast. And there's actually a whole world that you want to explore. And you're still sitting in the same little part of town where you grew up. And so I had what I call my quarter life crisis where I just couldn't do it any longer. And that's when I finally started to make some changes and start to even give myself permission to explore the idea of entrepreneurship. I think it's really easy to say like, you know, to highlight the A to B or the before and after I was so miserable in my corporate job. And now I'm running a thriving business, making 30 K months, doing work that I love with my dream clients. Right. Whereas like that in between was hard and messy and difficult and challenged everything I knew about myself. Um, But the first step was really giving myself permission to explore the possibility of there being a different reality. And I remember I wanted, I started with a blog. I started writing about personal growth and all of the things that I was really passionate about having learned. And um just the act of starting the blog like shook my identity because all these thoughts came up around well what kind of a weirdo has a blog and who do you think you are to think you can make money online and why do you even think this is going to work and my favorite one are you really going to risk everything so that your kids end up homeless and that mom guilt resurfacing right um but and we can dig into that as well but overcoming some of some of those mindset 
hurdles or those limiting thoughts that you have about yourself, your life situation, what's possible for you, just enough to break through and see, like, is there something outside of my current reality that would be more aligned with my values and my vision for my life? I think that starts that like little snowball of momentum that just then continues to roll on and on as long as you follow it. I and it's funny because um I'm I was cracking a smile over here when you said there was a an instance of having to like the biggest identity shift. And right before you said that, I I've been writing down like questions as we go so that I don't forget, you know, mom brain. And I wanted to ask you, what was the biggest death of an identity of who you were? Mm-hmm. And what did that grief look like, that processing look like? And we can get into that later, but I had written that down and you said it was a big identity shift. And I, I was smiling over here. I'm like, that's exactly what I just wrote down. <laughs> but yeah, if that feels exciting, you know, let's go back to that for a second. I want to, I'm really curious to know, I, I love that you had watched entrepreneurs. I, I don't love that. Those who you were working for, you realized what's the point? But now you are teaching entrepreneurs. You you identify yourself as a business coach. How do you teach? How do you guide these new entrepreneurs that are coming into your your circle not to end up like those you used to work for? Mm, I love that question. I think because. I could so blatantly see that no, actually growing your business to six figures, seven figures, 10 million, whatever, isn't what's going to make you happy. Like I've, I've worked with dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs that were unhappy. So my whole mission is to help you create a life that you find fulfilling. And we can talk about like what what determines fulfillment, right? The ability to make an impact on something that's greater than you, the ability to challenge yourself and continue to grow and evolve as a person and that freedom of time, of money to support the life that you want to live. And I really struggle with um, putting my business or my myself into a box and saying like, oh, I am a business coach. Because what I find is, I'm more of like a business coach for a fulfilling life. And it's more about your life as a whole picture than it is about like the things you need to do on Instagram to grow your business. Like that's just such a small grain of sand in that larger piece of the puzzle. Um, But for me, like first and foremost has always been, let's set your business up so that you are fulfilled when you hit those 10K, 30K, six-figure months. Let's set your business up so that it gives you the freedom you want, not takes away your freedom. And I I know that what makes that possible is the intentionality on the front end, right? Starting your business, knowing what you want, not getting caught up in the comparisonitis of, oh, I need to start making XK months because that's what so-and-so makes and like letting that hyperachiever drive. And I work with a lot of ambitious women who have these big goals and ambitious men as well. But 
those big goals often come from a place of I'm not enough and the life I'm currently living is not enough and I need to do this to prove X rather than, hey, like this is what I actually want. I want to be home to have supper with my kids. I want to be able to take them to their games or I want to be able to travel and not have to show up to a physical location or I want to just work a couple hours a day and live my life. But getting clear on what those things actually are and kind of zooming out rather than focusing on the process of growing your business and thinking that that's going to solve your problems, really getting clear on why are you growing your business and why, what are you hoping to achieve with that? And how do we start implanting that in the process from the get-go so that it doesn't get lost along the way? That's so important. So important. And I think you're absolutely right. There's so much of wanting to achieve success. There's no definition of success. A few different ways we can go here because there is no clear cut definition. You're constantly chasing your tail Mm -hmm. to do the next and the next and the next. And I know for you and I, and you had mentioned it earlier, there's this, there's this seeking out of the next challenge. And there's, there's a thrill for that. Almost like those who can't stay in a relationship. It's that thrill seeking of a new, um, love interest. Right. And I feel that I get the jitters whenever there's this new challenge that I can achieve. Mm -hmm. How do you know for yourself? And also how do you teach or guide whatever word you prefer? How do you teach those who also identify as high achievers when to know they're chasing their tail, going after the next challenge just for that unachievable success versus going after a challenge because it's headed towards the direction of what they want. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? That's a little, it's a little absolutely. No, I think it comes back to your reason why, and that's not something that we pause to think intentionally about. So one of the very first things that I do with my clients is really go through all areas of their life and examine like how happy they are right now and what would need to be true for them to be like 10 out of 10 best thing ever happy with that particular particular area of their life. And then setting goals from that perspective on, okay, like where are we going to focus first? How are we going to make this happen? Really laying down the strategy and often 80% of what we focus on is growing a business or launching a business so that they can spend their days feeling fulfilled. But anytime we set a goal, a really powerful exercise I find is just asking yourself why over and over and over again, like five to seven times until you get to the root of why you want that. Right. And that's not something we pause to do. We just say, oh, I want to have a six-figure business. And we end it there. And off we go chasing that goal, chasing our tails. And then we end up with a six-figure business and we're unhappy. Or we don't end up with a six-figure business and we're still unhappy when the six figures wasn't what we really wanted to begin with. What we wanted was, you know, to be able to take two more trips a year. What we wanted was to be able to be home with the kids. What we wanted was, et cetera. And it's different for each person, but carving out that space to think through what a fulfilling life looks like to you and then working backwards from there to either build your business or change your career or decide to not 
have a business or a job at all, like whatever it is, there's no right answer. And I love that you say there's no definition of success. I was just ranting about this on my Instagram the other day. And if you Google success, the definition is the achievement of an aim or a purpose. But that aim or purpose is up to us. There's no like standard metric that that's going to be based against. Although in the patriarchy, it's very much based on your financial earnings, right? (laughs) But what we do is we make that aim or purpose out the, you know, the money we're bringing in or the size of our business or how many people we employ, et cetera, rather than making that success about how friggin' happy were you with how you spent your time today? How many conversations did you have that you enjoyed? How many moments did you soak up with the people that you love most? And like that part gets missed, right? And it becomes about that conditioning that we've had growing up from society, et cetera, that we've picked up along the way. And if you can just break that enough to say, okay, why do I actually want to hit this goal? What's on the other side of it for me? On the other side of that, what do I want that? How do I want that over and over again? You get to a place where it's like, no, most of our goals are pretty simple. Just want to have more time with the people we love. Just want to have the safety and security of knowing that we're provided for. And like it, there's no need to achieve more and more and more to create that. You can actually create that right now. And then those achievements are just bonus. How did you get to that realization? I mean, we talked about you sitting at the cubicle, realizing you're missing time with your kids, but how did those realizations lead to the self-questioning of why, so that you could build your, your own business from that fulfillment foundation? Yeah, that's such a powerful question. I've been told a lot by people I know, people I work with, and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that are 10, 20 years older than me and are coming to me for support. And they'll say like, how are you so wise beyond your years? Like, I get labeled as that a lot. And part of me wants to say like, I really don't know. I don't know why this is not so obvious to everybody else. <laughs> like, is it not plain and clear that you should have a fulfilling job, that it is your right to like what you do on a daily basis? Is, this, is it not plain and clear to everybody that your family is more important than money? So part of me wants to say, I don't really know. I just, it felt right to me. But I also know that like a lot of this came to me as a result of my own personal growth journey when I started really digging into some of the leaders in the personal growth space, soaking up all of the books I could get my hands on. And I mean, if you've ever read a self-help book, or a good one, at least, you know, like there's always probing questions. There's always like exercises at the end of the chapter that get you to reflect. And I was on that leave. So I had all these time, this time on my hands as I started doing a morning routine and getting up before the kids to like think and reflect and journal. Um, And it was just a recurring theme over and over again. And I think just by being so clear on what my values are, it was a non-negotiable for me to have a business that aligned with those values because I'm not going to build, you know, a $10 million business that I have to travel 50 out of 52 weeks and be away from the kids. That just wouldn't make sense for me. Now I know that my values aren't universal and they're not right or wrong, 
Um, and if you really value financial abundance above all else and you don't have a family and you don't want to travel, whatever, like that is perfectly fine. And I'm all about people just figuring out what they want and then going and living that life. But I'm not the best person to support that kind of person with those values because they're so drastically different from mine. For me, like, yes, I welcome financial abundance and it is amazing what you can do when you have the resources you need to live your best life and to support other people. Um, But above all, for me, it's that fulfillment. It's not wanting to you know, lay on my deathbed 80 years from now and think, wow, I kind of wasted the one shot I had Mm -hmm. at making the most out of this life. So that's kind of the best answer that I can give is there's not, there's not some secret moment or epiphany I had when I was like, you know, all had a near death experience and was like, no, none of this matters, but it's just been likely noticing like something my parents never had was waking up and going to a job that they love every day. And that's something I want to model to my kids. It's like, you don't have to settle for anything that's less than amazing. You can create the reality that you want. Um, Part of it might also be rooted in that hyper achieving of, you know, don't settle, do it better, get what you want. Don't stop until you get there. So I think it's multifaceted, but what I would say is just being really clear on what you value makes it infinitely easier to be intentional about building your life that way, building your business that way from the get-go. This is awesome. Yes, I agree. I'm. You see me over here jotting down more questions. I'm just going to keep probing you. I'm going to probe you like a self-help book. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Let's see. What do you have any practice or rituals to keep you in your why? I know for me, and this, this might be like a more of a a selfish question. I don't realize when I'm off the deep end until I'm drowning. Mm. And I think I'm, you know, I'm doing things the right way and it feels exciting and it feels great, but I'm, I'm overextended. Do you have ways to keep yourself in your why and remember where your fulfillment lies, or do you find yourself also catching yourself when it's almost, a, I don't want to say too late, but a little bit more in the throes of it and have to backtrack? Yeah. I think what's really important here is like separating your why and your mission from like your capacity. Right. So I almost hear you asking two questions of like, well, how do you stay rooted in that? Why in what you're here to do and what matters to you? And how do you make sure that you're doing it in a way that's sustainable, that doesn't lead to burnout? And I think that 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 piece, like that separation often gets missed because we think if I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing, if I'm following my purpose and you know doing my mission and my work here on this work in this world that I'm never going to burn out. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. Right. And I know something I learned from you was like, your business is not your self care, right? Like working on your business does not um, kind of meet the same needs as taking care of yourself, but we can often see it that way, especially in purpose-driven businesses where you want to create an impact and it's you delivering the service or doing the work. Um, 
So the things that I do to stay rooted in my why and like what matters to me is <laughs> a couple of different things. I'm such a nerd. I'm all about colorful pens and highlighters and planners and notebooks. So one of the exercises that I love is just getting really clear on like, what are your pillars for a meaningful life? Kind of like your values, right? For me, that's travel, that's impact, that's being with my kids, making a treasure house of happy memories with them and my health. Like those are just upfront, like exactly what I value most in life. And then I have a checklist of what are the ways in which you can move toward those values and what are the ways that you move away from them? And so anytime I read my daughter a bedtime story, I am moving toward making memories with her. Anytime I take my son on a bike ride, I am moving toward making memories with him versus I think sometimes we have these big aspirational values and we're like, yeah, I value family, but we don't break that down into what does that actually look like? And what about your family life do you value and want to make sure you have? So for me, taking time on Sunday to look at my week and be like, okay, where am I filling my health bucket? Where am I filling my family bucket? Where am I making time for my business and the impact that I'm creating? Where am I making time for travel and adventure and exploring? And then having that checklist just makes it so easy for me to be like, okay, I'm going to slot bike ride in right here. And I'm going to make sure that we go out kayaking and we're going to take this week off so that we can all be together. And it just keeps coming back to that intentionality of knowing what you want, knowing what it looks like, and then making sure that you're creating that space for it in your calendar, that you're using your most valuable resource, your time, and allocating it to the things that matter. Because when you have that whole life perspective, and you're not just focused on growing your business to X amount, then failure becomes not missing your financial goal in your business. Failure becomes not creating space for all of the things that matter to you um, and not kind of showing up intentionally across all areas of your life. So that's been a switch I've had to make from really wanting to say like zero to 10 million in 45 seconds to just really embodying the fact that like I built my business because I was unhappy with how little time I was spending with my kids in my corporate job. So that's what I'm going to base my success off of. What adventure did we go on today? I really adore how you have taken fulfillment and strategized it. <laughs> I love that. Right. For those who, who identify as high achievers, as type A personalities, that part of us never goes away. You can't self-help your way out of it right? It's just programmed. And there's this part of us that finally comes to terms with it and learns how to utilize it in, in order to have a life more of love, more fulfilled, 
more easeful. I did something similar when I decided, you know, six months ago that I was burnt out then and my business works for me. And so I made an an employee contract with my business of how it works for me. And that was my way of doing very similarly what you sit down and do every Sunday. And I think that's a practice that I may very well adopt so that I can keep big picture because all of those things really do matter. I thank you for, for sharing that. I love it so, so much. Do you ever have um, a client who comes to you and they don't know what they want? I mean, I think we come from, again, high achieving, people pleasing. You just go, go, go. You achieve, achieve, achieve. You had mentioned having that hour to yourself and not knowing, well, now what do I do? How do you, how do you start to know what you want? Do you have a, a process for those who come to you with, well, I don't know. Mm. And do you mean from the perspective of like, how you want to spend your time and your hobbies and your kind of day-to-day life or from the perspective of like, you know, higher up from that or bigger picture around your purpose and the work that you want to do in the world. Right. Yep. I think bigger picture Mm -hmm. because from the bigger picture comes the day-to-day. Yeah, absolutely. So I do part of the work that I do before helping you build your business and it's, it's different you know, varying degrees for different people, but is around purpose coaching and really getting clear on like, what's the thing that you want to be doing if you're not happy with what you're doing now? Um, So some clients come to me exclusively for that. And they say, I'm totally lost. I've spent 10 years in this job. I have no idea what to do instead, but I'm not happy. Um, And we do that work of discovering like what do they want to be when they quote unquote grow up, even though we're fully functioning adults or at least pretending to be. Um, And then oftentimes, actually every time that I've done it, at least the people that I've worked with, it has come become entrepreneurship. It has become something that they want full control over. They have a mission they want to further in the world. And they just haven't realized that they even had the potential to become business owners. Entrepreneurship was kind of like stuffed in this dusty box in the attic that they didn't really want to open. But the amazing thing is at least what I've seen to be true time and time again, is they always knew And which is why I laugh because my job is literally so easy in helping you discover your purpose. You already know it's just been buried beneath societal expectations and shoulds and shouldn'ts and these roles that you play and these hats that you've had to wear. Um, So one of the, the rules that we make at the beginning of the purpose coaching journey with my clients is that you're not allowed to say, I don't know. You're not allowed to say you have to give it your best guess. And that doesn't mean you're committing to anything. But with the questions that I ask them, I think our default is, well, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to do. And it's just an easy way to get out of exploring what you want and giving light and time and space for those little voices in your head that say like, hey, what if we tried this? that you're just so used to pushing down deeper and deeper because they would disrupt your entire reality. I know someone had come to me after 20, 30 years in business, not happy with where they're at saying, I do not know where I want to go from here. And it can be really hard in that moment to give yourself permission to think about 
let's just throw out some, some examples, becoming a painter or teaching a yoga class or opening a microbrewery or whatever, like whatever wild ideas you have that are so different from how you've spent your time to date that you don't even want to explore them because it's terrifying. So what we'll often do is just, and what I find really valuable for anyone struggling with this right now is to give yourself permission to just think outside the box that you currently find yourself in and brainstorm mind map, all of the different things you would find an inkling of satisfaction in doing. And when you have all those ideas, you usually find the common thread. The common thread is usually in there. And then upon deeper exploration and probing and understanding what you value and the life that you want to create and the end goal that you're after, you can pull that thread together to understand, oh, this is the thing that I'm actually going to be fulfilled by because it meets these values and this way that I want to live my life. And actually all of my previous experiences and the things I've enjoyed in my jobs have all pointed me back to this point. And I just didn't see it because it was so scary to look at. Yeah, I think that's so true. You know, I put myself back six, seven years working as a PA and driving to work thinking, man, I would really love to sing professionally. Or, you know, even watching TV, I'd get the heebie-jeebies from watching Long Island Medium. Like, I could do that. And it's like, yeah, I am doing it. <laughs> and it's it's so true that the the little, you're getting hints every single day. And I, I think those who are the most quote unquote successful in this world are taking taking bits of themselves and what fulfills them even if they don't make sense to put together and putting them together. Yeah. I love that. Rewriting those rules and just blazing their own trail in a way that like hasn't been prescribed. Right. And that's why purpose coaching isn't like, Oh, based on these personality assessments that you answered, here's the perfect career for you. Right. It's why you can't Google your way into fulfillment, but it really is about following those little nudges and giving yourself space to innovate with how could my life be different if I followed this interest and this interest and like took these little things and blended them all together and I think that's how so many amazing entrepreneurs are born because not very many of us um, will find fulfillment in like one job description, especially as multi-passionate people and humans and entrepreneurs. Um, we all have different different parts of ourselves that we want to bring into the world. And when you can find a way to bring your whole self to work every day, which often isn't case with your traditional nine to five job, that's when you start to feel more alive. That's when things start to feel more easeful. Um, but I think the common misconception is like, oh, I'm just going to find my purpose. It's just going to come down like a bolt of lightning. And I'm just waiting for the day when it all hits me. Whereas your purpose is built out of like an inkling of curiosity, interest, a little what if, and then the more you explore it, the more you realize whether you have a passion for it or not, but it doesn't just one day strike from the sky. Mm. I love it. 
Thank you for sharing all of that. This is so helpful for even me to go back and do my own little checklist of where I'm putting my energy. And if it's, if my energy's going where I'm feeling the most fulfilled. Mm. Thank you. And also, you know, I want to share too, that hearing you say, you know, and I know backtracking a little bit here, you know, reading a book to my son, to my daughter, that's putting energy towards my family value and hearing that permission. And also doing this for my business is bringing me towards my impact. Cause I feel like when I'm with when I'm spending time with Ezzy, I'm thinking I could be doing this. That's mom guilt right there. Mm. But then when I'm doing business, I could be doing this with Ezzy, right? Mm. And both of those things did a checklist. So I know I'm backtracking a little bit, but I wanted to to thank you for that giant buffet of permission you have given me. (laughs) Well, I love it. And I love, I can encourage everyone to do this exercise and it's something I do like multiple times a year. It's not something you, you know, write down once and then master because you grow and you evolve as a person. But if you can continue checking in with what fulfills me right now and am I spending my time in that way, I think that's where you get to a place where you love your life and you love the way you've spent your life and you don't have regrets because you built it in alignment with your values and you intentionally carved out that space. And just on the note of kind of feeling that guilt, I've definitely been there of not being able to be present and always thinking you should be doing something else. And that's kind of why I got into this habit of mapping out my week ahead of time. Cause I would ask myself like, what would an amazing week look like this week? I really want to go to the beach. I really want to take a long hike by myself. I really want to, you know, invite these people into working with me. I really want to, et cetera. And then I would look at those things and just make sure they were somewhere on my calendar. Because I think then when you're in that moment of taking a long hike by yourself, when you think you should be working on your business, you can catch yourself and say, no, I'm taking care of this value right now. And I have time set aside to take care of that value. And it's just such a good way to, (laughs) I would kind of like relate it to like, if you're studying for exams and you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to spend this study session worrying about that other exam. Cause I know that I planned out time to study for that next week. So it's fine. Um, for all of the nerds out there that can relate, we forget to do that with our life. Right. And so when we do that, we give ourselves permission to be in the moment and not worrying about the future. Perfect. Yeah. I'm totally doing this exercise. I'm really excited. Okay. Few more questions. I love diving into these things with you. Oh, back to that one question I asked you at the beginning, because I feel like we're doing giant circle. What was the biggest death of your identity that you had to grieve over? And what was that grieving process like? Mm. For me, it was all around the definition of success and like who I am as a successful person, because I you know, getting the straight A pluses, graduating early, like getting a degree while raising an infant, those all fed that ego of like, oh, I'm a huge success. 
right? And people see me as successful. And then when I started to break that mold and kind of disassociate from the narrative that success was at the top of the corporate ladder and really tune into no success for me is working part-time hours and being with my kids more. It like it made sense and it broke things all at the same time. And it felt so uncomfortable because I was evolving into the kind of person that trusted her own gut and um prioritized her own values rather than the kind of person that just blatantly followed the path that was laid for her. But all I knew was following the rules. All I knew was how other people saw me. And I wouldn't say that anyone was outright against me pivoting directions in my career and diving into entrepreneurship, but I didn't have that support. People just didn't understand it. And so when I started making those changes, like I had to develop like this sense of self-trust that I'm still working on that, no, this is safe and this is okay. And even though everyone tells you otherwise, you can trust yourself to make these decisions. But with that came, it's like breaking out of a shell and stepping into a new identity and the shell that fell away was like this approval and the part of me that I grieved was this person that everyone you know thought was doing great and part of that started to break when I found out I was pregnant at 18 and it was like well hang on a second and I tried to patch it all back together right? And over, over parent, over deliver, over prove that I could do it all. Part of that started to break when I decided that I didn't want my corporate job and switch, like left the prestigious fancy one with the, with the great pay and the fancy title to part-time hours. And then again, when I left that part-time into my own business, Part of it started to break when we bought a friggin' school bus and converted it into a motor home. Uh, we just took our first trip in it this month, but that was a two-year process. And I think I've just started to embrace like what I want, not what other people do. And even if the neighbors keep their lawn pristinely clean and cut. Like, I just don't have time to care if my grass is a little bit longer. And I don't care if there's a school bus sitting in my driveway that brings down the value of the properties around. Like, this need for approval, this need for everybody to like me and for everybody to think I'm doing the right thing started to fall away bit by bit, was super uncomfortable. And out of that was born like this version of Anna that is just so grounded in what she wants and what she needs. I love that. And if this Anna today could go back to 18 year old Anna and give her one wise sentence, what would that be? Such a good question. One wise sentence is so hard. She would write her a whole book. I know. (laughs) But I think what I wish I had known then was like no one's handing out A pluses 
after school. There is no one right way that you're going to be measured against your life and it's all going to be fine. You can stop trying to prove yourself and stop trying to figure out the secret formula to making everybody else happy and just start to live your freaking life for yourself. I think that was the one thing that it took me a long time to realize was that in the end, it was my life and only I would have to bear the weight of the regret or only I would be able to feel, truly feel that incredible sense of satisfaction over what I've created and the life that I've lived. Um, But I spent so long trying to get that feeling from other people's approval. So to go back and say, you're going to be fine and you actually don't need to care and you can just follow your gut and trust yourself to find the right way that there is no, you know, ABCD path to success. And it's just like this roller coaster of making the most out of life. I know would have been so freeing to 18 year old Anna, who was just trying to figure out the right step to do and not make any mistakes. I love it. Thank you for sharing with us. I just love having the flowy conversations because exactly what needs to be said is said and discussed and shared. And I can't thank you enough for being vulnerable with me and raw with me and strategic with me. (laughs) Where, Where can people find you if they want to know more about you, be more in your energy, get more of your tips, honestly, just be around you. Where can they find you and what do you have coming up that, um, maybe they might want to dive into as far as offers. I am pretty present on Instagram at Anna McCray coaching, and that's where you'll find me just keeping it real, having a lot of weird dance parties today. I was on there and I had peanut butter on my shirt when I was recording my stories. So it's quite the authentic experience. Um, But you can also find me on my website, which is Anna McCray.ca. Um, and which is where I write a lot more of my kind of in-depth articles around fulfillment and purpose and how to actually create the life that you desire. I'm really excited because in September, I am launching Purpose and Profit, which is my group program for women that are ready to break that corporate mold and to explore what their purpose is and create a business that allows them to live a fulfilling life that gives them the freedom and the financial abundance that they crave and want to do it in the energy of other women that are on a similar journey. I know starting in my business, I had no Um, role models. I didn't know anyone in my quote unquote real life who did it. And I spent a long time just feeling lost and confused and not knowing if it was really possible for me. And when I was able to break out of that and start to surround myself with people that were doing it, um, there was just this knowing that of course it was possible and I'm already on my way. And from there, I was able to make so much more momentum in my business. I want to recreate that experience for others. Um, We're launching in a couple of weeks. So for the woman that's ready to take her dreams off the back burner, put them first and finally create a life and a business that she is proud of, that aligns with her values and what she actually wants out of life. I think it would be a really great fit and I'd be happy to explore that opportunity. Mm, That sounds like such a treat. I'm really excited for it. Anna, thank you again. I'm so glad we had this conversation. I'm just so grateful for you. It's been so nice. Thank you for having me, Angelica.
Bolden. <laughs>